Hi, welcome to episode five of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And we're here to talk about all things metagame. Yeah. And uh, per the use, you can find us. The use. The so cool. Uh, you can find us uh, on Twitter at uh, Casual Tripod. Uh, on Facebook at Casual Try Hard MTG. And you can email us at uh, Casual Try Hard MTG at gmail.com. Please, 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 if there is something you would like to hear about or something we can do to improve our show, please give us feedback. Um, any of the above ways to get a hold of us work for that. Um, I know I've had a couple people catch me like during the week at the game store or whatever, and that's awesome, but my memory is garbage. So, so if you can put something in writing. <laughs> we have we have a, a queue of topics to get to. Yeah. Uh, we don't want you give, we don't want you people to get too much power to think that you can just request whatever <laughs> and we just run home and record it. We will get to it at yeah. some point. It, it is there. We know about it. He hasn't forgotten yet. Yeah. Uh, Not yet. <laughs> but, but yeah, if you can email us, uh, cause you know, we'd like to make it better. We'd like to, like to grow beyond the confines of the Grand Strand. Yeah, absolutely. We have to, we have to first take over the Grand Strand and then. Hey, we're getting there. And then the rest baby of steps. the state. Baby steps. <laughs> So we're going to try something different. Some of you guys had said that, you know, we've been trying to do more general topics. Yeah. Uh, kind of to get everyone, kind of get everyone a good foundation. So when we talk about more complicated things, yep. everyone's kind of on the same level. Well, I, I kind of mentioned this to the people that were asking us for more specific examples, too. Um, we are very much um, not professionals, right? There are content creators out there that do way better jobs than we do. So we're not trying to steal their thunder. If we were to come in here and talk about the new meta, you know, every week or twice a week or whatever, all we would be doing is regurgitating information that we have, you know, read or listened to from somewhere else. We're, that's kind of not what we're all about. We're going to try dipping our toes into this a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, we're not gonna try to, like you know, even the things that we get ourselves, yeah. right? We gather stuff from, like our our arena meta, uh, our arena data this week is on close to probably a hundred and thirty games yeah. over the course of a week, and I think there are people that probably jammed one hundred and thirty games of arena today. Yeah, I'm sure of it. And so, you know, we don't, we're just not able to to play all the time and read yeah. all the time because people expect us to do stuff so we can keep our houses. Yeah, you know, work. Work. It's, yeah, overrated. But we are going to uh, give it a try, see how it goes. Yeah. So we had written some sweet show notes about uh, what we we're going to call our metagame hot takes for the week. Yeah. And we wrote the show notes sometime Wednesday or yeah, Thursday Wednesday. of last week. And... Um, they were talking about the two best decks in the format that yeah. are no longer maybe the two best decks in the format. Yeah, things are changing incredibly rapidly. Um, do you want to talk about like why things are changing so fast? Sure, sure. So I think a lot of it, <clears throat> like, so when Arena went uh to the open beta, yeah. uh, last standard season, it was the middle to end of October, we were 
a month to six weeks into standard. Yep. And so standard had kind of settled out. We had yep. three to five decks that you could play and not get laughed at. Yep. And so that was it. There was a very established metagame. Yes. And also, like, Arena had some card availability issues. Like, yes. Like, you know, it was harder to just jump in and build a bunch of decks because everyone came in with, oh, man, I have no cards at all. Right. I, I had this sweet, like, Merfolk deck and this mono-white deck, which apparently can win a Pro Tour. <laughs> uh, right? <clears throat> so there wasn't a... So it kind of limited what people could do. But now, because there's so many games being played on Arena, both yeah. best of one and best of three, and because it's... No, I never played Magic Online because all I heard was you're going to spend, like, half your time or more just losing to the client. Yeah. I So I never, like, got involved with it. But now Arena is so easy to play, like, yep. everyone is playing it. And the card availability issues aren't really there anymore either. Yeah, because like, everyone played guilds forever and have yeah. all the guilds cards. Well, even even in Magic Online, though, there was a barrier to entry. Mm -hmm. Like, you had to rebuy your collection in order to play. That's not the case with Arena. No, you eventually yeah. uh, can get yourself, and I've I've found some. I had some holes in how I got my how I got my alliances stuff. We're going to fix. We're going to take advantage of the uh, the double of the fifth card protection next time. Yeah, I think I figured it out. All right. Uh, so I think that people now are constantly chasing five a, a plus five percent in their win percentage. Mm -hmm. on arena and i think they're chasing it for two hours at a time yeah right so what the best deck is at tuesday at 2 p.m might not be the best deck at tuesday at 4 p.m because people have adjusted right. to it so um we kind of noticed this the first time on pre-release weekend right mm -hmm. when the first weekend it was available on arena where Everybody was playing mono red, but the versions of mono red that were being played, like if you go back in our group chat and look, you can see, you know, at noon, this version of red was the best red. And then it went to the, um, the Goblin Electromancer version, and then it went to the Phoenix version, and then it went to the Light Up the Stage version. There was like a clear progression. If you played Arena during, you know, a two hour span, you would see all of one deck. And then if you played during the next two-hour span, you'd see all of a second deck. Yeah. There was a, a very clear, like, linear breakdown that you could actually watch the metagame evolve right in front you of you. You could watch the red deck get built. Because yeah. what would happen is, is you would play and you would, like, get ranched by a light up the stage. Yeah. And you'd be like, I should play that card. Or, like, you had two light up the stages in your deck and they were the best card you could possibly ever hope to cast. Yeah. And you're like, I should have four of these because I want to draw this every, every game. game. Um, and so, like, you could just watch it happen. Yeah. So, on Wednesday or Thursday, yep. the Thursdays when the podcast came out, yep. uh, well, we can we can talk about another podcast. We can sure. see the the game podcast hosted yep. by uh, Jerry, Jerry Thompson. Thompson and Brian Gottlieb yep. did like an hour and a half or two hours on mono blue. Poopers for the PG audience. Sure, poopers. <laughs> uh, and how it's the best deck, yeah. and it's great, and it doesn't have. It only has one bad matchup. Now, I'm going to stop you for okay. a second because 
your tone is very sarcastic. Um, I do believe that some of the points that they mentioned I, I on the agree. podcast were valid. I hate that deck, though. I also hate the deck. So, just to okay. be clear. Okay, I'm, <laughs> okay, I will try to be less sarcastic. Try to be more, I'll try to be more objective in my... In my podcast for 35 people. <laughs> more objective. Well, no, I just meant to be fair. Like fair. Some of the points they had about the deck were valid. Yes, yes. And I agree with them. Mm-hmm. There's probably something there for a person that is not me. Yes. So so they went on about how this deck was, was great. Mm-hmm. And they'd been playing it like Tuesday, Wednesday in preparation for this show. And they yeah. did this giant podcast on it. And one of the takeaways was... Mono Blue has one bad matchup, and it's Mono White. Yep. Because Mono Blue is trying to trade, you know, trying to play a 1-1 and get there, and trying to trade, like, one mana for a dive down for your two-mana removal spell, yeah. or spell pierce your four your five-mana Planeswalker. Right. And Mono White just, one, always has it. And two, <laughs> and two, like... You're like, oh, this game's not going bad. And then on turn three, they have no cards in hand, like 12 power. And you're like, what yeah. What happened? <laughs> you went one drop, two drop, all the drops. And yeah. I can't win now. Um, and so, like, it just, like, goes wide and they can't deal with it. And I was playing at, mm, like, noon on Saturday. And we, like I said, we keep track of, I keep yep. track of all my arena games. Yep. We have a we have a section that is just um, off meta decks, just decks that we have like fifteen like archetypes, yeah. and then we just have a catch all for like you know Everything random stuff. Right? And at noon, I played two matches against a white based aggressive deck. By midnight, when I came back to play because I was bound to determine to get out of gold, <laughs> um, I played against five white-based aggressive decks and uh there there's a there's a card in standard that you've not ever heard of because it wasn't even good in draft called healing grace that is one white protect uh, uh, prevent three damage and gain three life that card is the hard counter to red (laughs) and i had my opponent cast it twice before he gets the concede button uh it was awful but so everyone heard this podcast that hey mono blue is great and then everyone ran to play mono white because it eats mono blue. Right. Right. And that happened in the course of kind of a day. Mm-hmm. Like people went on mono blue podcasting. To be fair, Alexander Hain is a pro who's the number one mythic player right mm-hmm. now. With and this deck. With this deck. He said, and I heard either on their podcast or somewhere else that he claimed to have gone 50 and six so 50 wins six losses i can't goldfish against like air and yeah. go 15 and six <laughs> i will mulligan to four at least the seven times to yourself more than that often so everyone ran to this deck mm-hmm. and then started playing that and then everyone went like oh man if everyone's playing blue i have to play white right we got a next level and so in the course of two days we went from a little bit of blue in the meta game and no white to just white everywhere. Yeah. And I didn't play against much blue, probably because people were like, man, everyone's <laughs> playing white. I can't play this deck anymore. Yeah. Um, same like with uh the and so this has implications on other decks as well. Right. 
So Martin Yuza uh, had that Salt High deck. Yeah, that list was sweet. It was uh, basically everything that I kind of, building off of my RPTQ the weekend before, um, it had all of the changes that I wanted to make to Salt High. It kind of moved away from the Explore package a little bit and went in on some different green two drops. I believe he was on Incubation Druid. I kind of wanted to try out Growth Chamber Guardian. Um, and then he ran Thief of Sanities and Thought Erasures with the top end being close to the same, but going up with your removal just a little bit. Um, like I said, it was all of the changes that I wanted to make to the deck. And I'm sure that deck is really good when people aren't going one drop, one drop, one drop, yeah. History of Benalia, Benalish Marshall. Yeah. Uh, like the Explore package is in that deck because that's how you beat Mono White. Right. And you can't beat Mono White really yeah. without that. So blue being good, which then made white good, yeah. which means maybe those changes that we we're people were making to Saltai to get away from Wild Growth Walker and uh, um the Explore guys yeah. might just be invalid for the next 13 hours or yeah, something. Who, who knows when the meta's going to change again. And it's going to move again. So there was uh, a big tournament. There was. Uh, in Dallas that was kind of... So one thing you'll notice is that the paper meta game moves quickly, but not nearly as quickly as Arena. Right. Right? To, you know... Unsleeving and resleeving cards is hard. Yeah. <laughs> Finding your cards can be difficult. Yeah, ask uh, some friends of ours that are constantly losing their cards. Yeah. Someone has eight copies of Steam Vents for some reason. <laughs> um, I can't find a Steam Vents, but I, I buy one. I knew I bought a place that had gut shots. Where are they? <laughs> yeah. I better buy more gut shots. Uh, so, so this the SCG Dallas happened, yep. and... Uh, we have the kind of what the the major archetypes from day two that mm -hmm. made it. I think it was like a hard cut to sixty four when I looked. Yeah. I so think, I think it was a clean cut. Uh, yeah. So let you know where the world is. Six two and one made day two. Yeah. It was nineteen <laughs> points. So for for day two, so what we thought on like Wednesday might have been the best deck. Esper Control had yep. 10 decks in day two. Which is a great showing. Yeah, it's really good. Yep. And then Mono Blue had 10. Yep. Which is a problem for Esper Control because that's is. the hard <laughs> counter yeah. to Esper Control is pay two mana, counter your four mana spell. Oops. Six you. <laughs> Draw two cards. Uh and then Soul Time Midrange had nine decks. Yep. And Esper Control is kind of the hard counter to Cell Type Midrange. Yes. And then Azorius Aggro uh, had eight copies, the hard counter to Mono Blue. Yeah. Which Esper Control is kind of the hard counter to Mono White. Yep. And then I think the next deck after that was like four copies. Yeah. So this was about, this was over half the day two field was in these four decks. Yes. So like this is kind of. Yeah. This was where the metagame was for basically for, for Saturday and Sunday, right? It's a, it is kind of funny because when we, when we had first started doing our show notes, um, this whole section was about Esper and Sultai and how to retool decks to beat those. But 
Like, that's almost an invalid argument now. Yeah. Because of just in the last five days how much the meta has changed. Right, so, like, no one was playing Mono White at the beginning yeah. of this, and, you know, it's a, it didn't get any worse. Its cards didn't get worse. Right. So you could argue Tide Taker's better in some spots than Adonto mm-hmm. Vanguard, so it got, like, some functional upgrades. Mm-hmm. Well, Tide Taker's better against Mono Blue also. And against Esper. Yeah. Because, you know, they they can't counter your stuff. They can't right. cast Chemister's Insight on your on your turn. Mm-hmm. It makes, you know, Absorb cost one more. So it does give you a lot of play. Yep. Right. But so, like, but no one was playing Mono White. Right. There was no reason to because people were playing Wild Growth Walker and you were like, oh, I got you to, like, six. And it's like, oh, cool, I'm going to... Draw three cards, gain three life, and have a 6-6. Six, six. Yeah. And now you can never win? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so things have really changed a lot. So the, the top eight mm-hmm. was kind of the the top four metagame. Yeah. The, the top four things from the metagame. We had two mono blues. Yep. Two, okay, we're saying, uh, we say Azorius aggro. Basically, basically mono white. I went and looked... One of the decks had two Deputy of Detention in the main as the only blue card, and the other deck had one Deputy of Detention in the main. And it was the only blue card in the main, and their sideboards just had negates and disdainful strokes. Counter spells. Yeah, counter spells and maybe the three mana Dovin Bond. Mm-hmm. But that was, and that was the only one of them that had that. So that was it. It's basically like just like the Pro Tour deck was Boros. Right. It had red cards in the sideboard. Yeah. They ran Experimental Frenzy. Experimental Frenzy in the sideboard. And sometimes an Aurelia. Yeah. Uh, this is blue-white. In pretty, It's pretty much all blue in the sideboard. Yeah. And a little bit of... And maybe one or two cards in the main. So it's effectively the mono-white deck. Mm-hmm. Right? Then um, a deck only Cameron could love. Uh, Black Ride Midrange. Hey, I'm a fan of Black Ride Midrange. Are you a fan of the card Cinder Barons? Uh, not really. Cinder Barons. <laughs> the card Cinder Barons, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Top eight in a standard uh, a standard open. Why would you play Cinder Barons over the Guild Gate, though? I don't know. I don't know what kind <laughs> of statement you were trying to make. Yeah. Maybe he had a foil Cinder Barons. Maybe he had a foil, foil Cinder Barons he wanted to play. It was Jody Keith. I assumed that oh, yeah. foil Cinder Barons uh, availability was not, <laughs> was not a concern. The guy has lands. I think yeah. he could like, spend 35 cents for a foil... Uh, Guild a game, foil guild gate. Probably. Uh, then Esper Control. Mm-hmm. Uh, some monster playing blue-green Nexus. I actually uh, don't hate that version of that list. The one that plays Krasis and tries to actually win the game? Well, yeah, it plays Krasis and uh, Frilled Mystic. and. Okay, I didn't look at his list. I well, I, saw... I, I'm, I'm assuming this is the same list. There's been a couple different versions of, the, of this list came out like late last week. And... I don't actually hate it. Like, I don't think I'm going to sleeve up Nexus of Fate anytime soon. That would require me to buy Nexus of Fate, which is yeah. a thing I'm not willing to do. Yeah. Um, especially, again, we can talk about some other things that have happened, uh, especially after uh, LSV and Matt Nass did a 16-minute video on if they should ban Nexus of Fate. I haven't listened to it yet. They're, okay, this had... Okay, we just brought up his list. It does have four filled mystics. Yeah. Three Hydroid Crises, and then Root Snares, and Search for His Contas, yeah, and, Nexus, and just the Nexus stuff. Yeah. 
but it does actually play both power and toughness it in does. its main deck. So this is, and then it boards it boards into four biogenic oozes and two Carnage tyrants. A Palaka worm <laughs> and a Palaka worm. It's Woo. it is it is like oh yeah, guess what I can't do ever beat a counter spell. Yes. So I better <laughs> take out all the stuff that you can counter. Uh, and okay, to let you know how afraid people were of mono blue, this man has Sagittarius Volley in his sideboard. Which destroys a creature with flying and deals one damage to each other creature with flying. And so that reads, uh, destroy your Tempest Djinn and also kill all of your Storm or, uh, Siren Storm Tamers. Yes, if if you're tapped out, because like hopefully you've countered that yeah. if you if you had a blue mana. But yeah, so so this, this is where we were in the world. So this guy, he's not as big a monster as I thought because he has power and toughness in his mm-hmm. deck. Yeah, like I said, I, I don't actually hate this build in the deck. Uh and then uh, one lonely person playing Sultai cards. That was Dylan Donegan. Yeah. Uh, so, and then when you looked at the top eight, you could almost have just put the deck list, the deck names. Yeah. And you could have figure out, what figure out who was going to win. Because yeah. it was, other than like a mono blue mirror match, it was like, oh, Esper beat mono white. Yeah. Cool. Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> Oh, Mono Blue beat in the finals. Mono Blue beat Esper. Like, the Esper guy was like, please not Mono Blue. Please not. Oh, my God. (laughs) I can never win. Okay, cool. So, right. We could sit here, and I think where we're going to kind of diverge from a lot of the other podcasts is I don't think we're going to sit here and tell you what we think you should play. Yeah, that's not not what I want to do. No, but I think what we can say is you kind of have... Two choices. You can, one, say, you know what? I'm going to get on this, like, metagame carousel, and I'm going to, like, live on Twitter and constantly try to chase that 5% win percentage. So, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that either. I am way too busy to be on that game. So, I think what I'm going to do, and what I would suggest anybody listening to us does, is to... Pick a deck, get good with it, and know how to tweak it week to week. You know, make some substitutions main deck, make some changes to your sideboard, and kind of get your percentage points that way. Yeah, I think that this is one where uh, Logan is famous for the, like, he has, like, a a box. His legacy deck is, like, 100 cards. It's 75 whenever he registers it. Yeah. But there's another twenty-five to fifty cards. The maybe board. That yeah, that are they're like, okay, maybe this needs to come in. Yep. I need to make this change or this change, as opposed to like, you know, so that way you don't have to go searching for your cards. Yep. They're just all in like <laughs> one box and you're like, oh, I think there's gonna be a lot of mono blue this week. Maybe I need to play Sagittarius Volley. Sagittarius Volley. Yeah. And my Sagittarius Volley's here. Or I think it's gonna be a lot of mono red. Was that was that healing card I said again? Yeah, yeah I'm gonna get one of those. So uh, this is a little bit different. I think this is a little bit different than last standard. Yeah. So last standard, we were doing the PPTQ grind. We played in a whole bunch of PPTQs, and I believe I registered the exact same seventy five for at least five different PPTQs. I think at the end of the season when I got on. Drakes with Niv Mizzet. 
I think I registered the same deck three times. Yeah. Like, I think all three that I did, I registered the same deck and, yeah. like, did not at all kind of feel bad about it. Yeah. Right? I knew that Mono White was a bad matchup, but I knew what cards... I knew what cards I needed to draw and, like, what cards were important towards the end right. that I could work that matchup that it was... Instead of being 40-60, maybe it was 45-55. I could get a little bit because I knew, like, oh, he played a Plains. Okay, this card doesn't matter. I've got to chart a course and get rid of it and try to just get anything else. Yeah. Right? So it's like, so you kind of learn mm -hmm. as you go. And I think that's, for the amount of time that you have, it's better to, like, try to learn, learn a matchup yeah. and be like, this is bad, but I can make it yeah. bearable yeah. if I do these things and work the, work the game in this direction. There's also something to be said for waiting for the metagame to come back to you also. Yeah. Because there is a little bit of inevitability built into this where because the metagame is changing so fast, eventually it's going to come back to where you are and you're going to be the best deck for that week. Yeah, so like Saltai, you know, some build of Saltai in three weeks will be the best deck mm -hmm. or i think the mythic championship is in two weeks yep so that's usually when like the metagame kind starts of starts to solidify starts to solidify because like like even that like last season that mono red deck yeah. or that mono white deck i'm sorry like appeared on magic online the week before the, week the tournament before. Yep. and then it just was the tournament though i don't think the win percentages were great for it but it just was the tournament, and then it just was a deck that stayed. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be something that, like, that's where it's probably going to shake out. Yeah. It'll be less chase, but there's still going to be a little bit of, of churn. Mm -hmm. And Arena, like we said, Arena might exacerbate that. Yeah. It might make it so the, the metagame never settles. Yeah. I kind of have a feeling that's what's going to happen. I mean, especially with the qualifying for the mythic invitational yeah. like at the top there's going to be people that are going to you know if they continue to tweet out their deck lists yeah. or you know alexander hayne tweets out his deck list everyone starts playing mono blue you may have tweeted that deck list out when he was like well hanging this one up <laughs> Let, let's let i want to play some mono white let's get all these plebes on mono blue yeah <laughs> i'm gonna go smash some people yeah. and so that might be what happens. It's like, you know, people like are going to start chasing tweets. I mean, I've yeah. done it. Like, I've seen a deck that looks interesting. Mm -hmm. I've been like, well, I'll try it. I mean, the deck I play on paper is a deck someone tweeted out for best of one that I, like, build a sideboard for. Mm -hmm. and was like, well, I can't beat Mono Red, so I'm going to put a bunch of cards that just squish Mono Red in my sideboard, and yeah. I have a deck now that, like, is functional. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to happen. Like, people are just going to chase... And there's not a lot you can do about it other than yeah. just like lean in and be like, well, this is this is magic now. Yep. And I think that is gonna be I think the metagame before typically turned on a week to week basis, and I think it's gonna turn on a day to day basis. Now. I think it might even be more often than day to day. Yeah. I mean you and you can't be grumpy. You just either yeah, you just have to kinda like Wait for the three hours where your deck is the good deck again. <laughs> hopefully you're playing during that time. Hopefully, hopefully you're on <laughs> you're you're in arena at that point. Right? But for the most part, like I don't think when you go to the store, I don't think there's gonna be 
a wild variation. Yeah. Like, I think most people have one to three standard decks together. Yeah. And they're going to play one of those right. three decks. It's not going to be... Most people don't have an infinite card supply uh, <laughs> where they can just go like, oh, what do I want to play today? Okay. Oh, I have like eight Biogenic Oozes. Cool. We're going to play those. <laughs> so so now we're going to like do another one of those kind of like broad topic things. Yeah, something to... Uh, we should probably come up with a name for this segment. A level of playing field or something like that. Well... If you got suggestions, hit us up at Casual yeah, Tripod absolutely. on Twitter. Uh, yeah, or, you know... Expanding or, your vocabulary with Casual Tryhards. Yeah, that that sounds like a lot of... That's a mouthful. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot much. of vocabulary for that. <laughs> right. So, there, there, are some, there are some names that are good that have already been taken, so we've got to kind of work our own... Yeah. Uh, uh, own, own thing in here. So, any suggestions? Any wordsmiths out there? <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about, you may have heard this term before, we're going to talk about pillars of the format, or pillars of a format. Yep. So what what is what is a pillar of a format? What, is, what does that mean? So to me, uh, pillars of a format are kind of broader strokes than what a metagame is. So we talked about metagame a little bit, what, two weeks ago, last week? Mm-hmm. And uh, we established that a metagame is, you know, basically all of the different archetypes in a room, right? So sometimes archetypes can share cards, and that's kind of what pillars of a format are. It's um, like certain really powerful cards that are format-defining. And sometimes you don't need a separate game plan against every different deck in the room as long as you have a game plan against one of the pillars, Yes. So it's basically cards that archetypes get built around. Right. Right. So um, it's it's shorthand for decks. Yep. Right. So, for example, Teferi is a pillar. Absolutely. Right. So so you have to have a plan against Teferi decks. Mm -hmm. Right. So does that, that could be. Esper Control. Esper Control. Wilderness Reclamation. Or, well, like, some, well, some turns deck. Yeah, turns decks. Yep. Right. So you have, like, Teferi as a thing you have to be mindful of when you sit down and someone plays, like, Hollowed Fountain. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, oh, man. There's a Teferi coming. How do I? Yeah. And it doesn't matter what comes before the Teferi, right? There's always, if they play blue and white, there is a Teferi somewhere in the 75. Yeah. That's the reason to play blue and white. Yeah, it's like, oh... I opened one. I guess I'm jamming this in my deck. Yeah. Um, so, and then we have Wild Growth Walker. Mm-hmm. I think that just kind of encompasses, and maybe Hydroid Crisis might be a better, like, pillar there, but just encompasses, um, like, the mid-rangey green decks. Well, I think, like, Wild Growth Walker in particular is a marker of the Explore package. Fair. Which you see basically out of the... Mid-range, you know, green, green, black axe decks, and some of the Bant decks, I think, play that as well. So, yeah. some. Um, I also saw a couple of interesting lists, like towards the end of last week, that were gruel lists that mm-hmm. were on the uh, Wild Growth Walker Explore plan. That had did they have a Spellbreaker? Um, I don't remember if they had Spellbreaker, but they went big. Okay, they went big in the top end. 
Hellkites and Ravager Worms and I, I have five Ravager Worms. I need <laughs> I need someone to play that card. Make it good. I read the card. The card is, <laughs> is a good piece of cardboard. Yeah. I just need it. I just need someone to be like, you know what, you're right. It's a good piece of cardboard. I should probably crunch some creatures with it <laughs> and eat and eat some uh as content of the sunken ruins. Yeah. Just I crunch. Just can we please? Uh right. And then reclamation is like the the rec- uh, wilderness reclamation. Yeah. Is like your big mana spell decks. Yeah, so it kind of there's a like like we were talking about that kind of encompasses a couple different archetypes. Like turns could be in there. Um the teamer explosion decks mm-hmm. could be in there. Um I guess those are the only two. Those are the two like big mana. Yeah. And they're usually some sort of like hard dry like mm-hmm. Kind of control, buy time, and then just do something yeah. stupid. Yep. Like Explosion U for 20. I got Explosion for 26. Oof. That's a lot. Yeah. It was rough. Could your opponent draw 26 cards? Yeah. I think he made me draw 26 cards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> made me draw 26 because I was just dead. Yeah. I like... I think he went like turn 4 Reclamation, turn 5 Land Reclamation, Fog U... Turn six reclamation. Oh boy. Turn seven reclamation. I think he only had five lands. It was like a gift of paradise. It was just like make all the mana. And I was like, oh, so this is this is oh. I was like, can he actually? Oh no, I'm actually dead. Yeah. I can actually die to this. Okay, cool. I was like, I'm at twenty six. I'm feeling dead. Yeah, he okay. had thirty mana, so yeah. yeah. I was like, oh man, this was <laughs> this was bad. Um, and then, uh. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! Chain Willer used to be the uh, the pillar for the red decks, but it's probably yeah, I think light up the stage. Light up the stage now. Like people are like I'm only playing two in my arena deck. There's plenty of lists that I have seen with zero. Right. Uh, light light up the stage. If you don't know, is busted. Yeah, the card is great. Like legacy might make a might bring back the blue red Delver archetype in legacy. Yeah, I have Good. a feeling that. Uh, this card is better than people think it is, even currently. Um, it is the card I want to draw. The number of one land, one creature hands I will keep in mono red that have a light up the stage mm-hmm. is all of them. Right. Like if I'm on the draw and I have some dorky one two or one one, and a light up the stage and a land, I'm like I'll hit my second land. It's fine. Absolutely. And. Most of the time you do. Sometimes yeah. you get punished. But it's just like, yeah, like, I'm going to keep this hand on the back of casting a one-mana divination. Yep. Um, I've even seen this being played in some more, I'm not going to say mid-range, but more mid-rangey shells. Uh, the deck I played last week at Showdown was an aggro deck, but it definitely had a little bit more mid-range slant mm-hmm. to it than mono-red. And it ran light up the stage, and it was great. That was the best card in the deck behind Judah. Yeah. Yeah, light, light up the stage is a silly card. Yeah. The fact, and again, if you if you did what everyone did when it first came out, we all read the first, like, two lines and then didn't get to the last, like, four words. Yeah. And so you look at it, so it's two in red, exile the top two cards of your library... And until your next turn, you may play them. Everyone yeah. just read the card as exile the top two cards of your library, 
and then just went, oh yeah, at the end of the turn you exile them. Yeah. You get a whole nother turn. Everybody just thought it was uh, Chandra. Chandra. But you get a whole nother turn. Like, you're just like, the downside is your opponent knows exactly what's going to happen next turn. Who cares? Right? (laughs) There's been a couple of times where I've been like, I don't really want to cast this uh, uh, risk factor, but I want to deal four damage to them, and I want to be able to cast it again in four turns. So I'm just going to cast this risk factor, and we're going to wait. And... Fine, my next turn I'll cast my three drop that I was gonna cast. I'll cast my chain whirler or a couple of creatures, but I want to make sure this is here. Yeah. If the, that I have can cast again. But it's just great. Mm-hmm. Like it it lets you keep sketchy hands and fixes them. Gives like, you gas when you need it. Yeah. Like uh and this is this is to a, a loyal listener, you know who you are, Chuckles. Uh <laughs> with uh um uh uh runaway steamkin. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh! This is a was a turn turn three kill in, or turn four no turn three kill in standard with light up the stage and steamkin right? Um, I have consistently killed people on turn four with mono yeah. red with steamkin. Yep. Yeah. Just like you're like you get your counters on steamkin and you attack and you're like light up the stage. You're like take the counters off, light up the stage, get a counter, cast whatever you get in like. Lord help them if you get a second light at the stage. Yeah. And like, you know, I've cast like six or eight mana worth of spells on turn four off of Steamkin. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're at you're at twelve counting. Okay, you're totally dead. Yeah, you're I just dead. need to like cast these couple light up the stages. It's great. Yep. I don't know what other shells it can go in that are busted. Maybe the Jew to the shell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but- it was great. You'd play out all your early drops. Stick a Judith, you know, make your early threats a little bit more relevant once the Judith is out. Make them kind of scared to trade in combat, because then you just machine gun them. And then the next turn, you light up the stage and refuel. And with Judith, you always get your... Uh, if they don't block, yeah. you get spectacle. If yeah. they block, you get you spectacle. Get spectacle. Yeah. You just get to do... It costs one mana. Yeah. Like, so there was a... I think it was in the team tournament... A guy uh, like in Baltimore, the guy was playing blue red Delver in Legacy with four light at the stage. Yeah, because it's almost ancestral recall. Yeah, it's one mana draw two. Right, everyone thought that Charter Course was gonna break modern when it was two, <laughs> two mana, mana draw, draw two. One mana draw two, even better. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's great. So, so those are the cards that like that kind of you either know when someone plays one of the card plays a land that can cast them mm-hmm. more than likely you're going to be playing against that card. We uh we also had one more to add to this list, didn't we? Oh, we did. We did. Oh, go ahead. I forget. Uh, it's a blue card. A nexus of horribleness. No. No. That, well, because nexus falls under reclamation. This is true. Blue card that. Curious obsession. Oh my god, curious obsession. Unfortunately. I mean, that's just really one deck. Yeah. But, yeah. So, again, Mono Blue Poopers is uh, a collection of cards that you wouldn't play in your draft deck. Nope. Uh, except for Tempest. No, no. Tempest was, like, impossible to play in yeah. your draft deck as well because Dominaria was, like, a three-color awesomeness format. Yeah. Um, a bunch of cards that would not make your draft deck that get ahead and stay ahead. Yep. And somehow win games. Somehow. 
I mean, they they have the draws that you just never get to play a spell. Right. Where they're like one drop obsession with some form of interaction, yeah. dive down or spell pierce. And then they just have like essence capture into wizard's retort into another wizard's retort. And you're like, oh, I guess I just didn't get to play this game. Right. But then the whole college of cards falls apart to shock. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one drop. Shock it. Okay. Or like you all, I always play now as if the, uh, the mono blue player, when they have two blue up that they have like early in the game, I'm like, Oh, they have a merfolk trickster. They're going to try to eat my guy. Yeah. So like go to combat attack, they flash and trickster. And I'm like four blocks, shock it. Because they always let you attack first because they're trying to like be sneaky. Trying to get you. You're like, shock it. And it's like, what are you going to do now? You don't have a thing to put a curious obsession <laughs> on. You don't have a wizard. That spell actually costs three mana in your hands. Now, what do you get? What do you, oh, nothing. Okay, cool. Yeah. You have another one? Shock it again. <laughs> what are you going to do now? And that is, it is, it is a style of magic that is fun, but it, the deck wins, wins by inches. Yes. And if you make a mistake on turn two... You lost. On turn five, you're like, oh, man, I'm going to be one damage short because I did something three turns ago, and I can't win this game now. Like, I had to win the game this turn, and I missed one point. It is not forgiving. So, I mean, again, if you're Alexander Hayne, and and you played the hell out of it, and got to the perfect build and yep. then ripped off fifty and six. Right? It's insane. That is an insane win rate. Yeah, I I don't know like what you like I don't know how you don't lose to like keep a one land hand, don't draw your second land. Yeah. Right? Like the deck should lose to itself more than that. Yeah. So again, he's either Way, way, he's way, way, way better than me. I don't know if he is 90% win rate better than me. Yeah. Uh, or he ran like hot as the sun and is way, way better than me. Probably both. So it's like, okay, like you're way better than me. And like every, every game you like stopped at exactly four lands. Yeah. Never drew a fifth. <laughs> never drew three, never got stuck on three. So you couldn't play Tempest Gin plus protect it. Never got never got seven lands. Just always that sweet spot of four lands and like fifteen spells every game. Must be smarter than me. Yeah, I've not been that fortunate. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I, I have normal human draws where I have <laughs> nineteen lands in my red deck and I draw nine of them in the top twenty <laughs> in the top twenty cards. It was like, oh, I just didn't get to play this game. Yeah. This this was awful. <laughs> so So yeah, I mean, maybe it's not a pillar of the format. Yeah, but so the pillars just think about like these are the cards that people are building around, mm-hmm. and that are that are doing. Uh, and I mean, sometimes they can overlap, also. Oh yeah, of course. Like to fairy and reclamation. Yeah, a lot of times go together. Right, and like you know, is it a reclamation deck? Is it a to fairy deck? Yeah. You still lose if you don't kill to fairy and then tap mm-hmm. every time. Teferi, like, they need to change the wording. Like, his alt should have just been minus six, you win the game. Yeah. Like, 
This like, saved a lot of people a lot of time. It's like, oh, you untap you untapped with it for two turns. Yeah. Like, can we just we can just stop now? Yeah. But no, no, it's like no, no, we're gonna let you think you can win the game, but you can never <laughs> win the game. Never ever. Like, oh, okay, cool. So, uh, so when people say pillars, that's what they mean. Yep. Those are the cards that are important. Yep. And then. I think Eventually, for, we, we could probably do pillars for other formats, too. They don't change as much. They don't. Like, modern and legacy, yeah. like, I could kind of rattle off legacy pillars. Yeah, like we don't have head. to do it right we now. We have to do it now. But, yeah, there's something we could we could go back yeah. to. Um, so, we wanted to kind of maybe tie a bow on uh, cyboarding from last time, or at least get a little more in, in depth. <coughs> and so... I think the problem a lot of people have with sideboarding. So we talked about like kind of how to build your sideboard. Yep. And the kinds of cards that you should be putting in your sideboard. And kind of maybe starting to recognize uh, how you wanted the game to play out. Yep. Right. So I think a thing that a lot of people have problems with is deciding what card needs to come out. Yeah. That's uh, probably the number one asked question is, yeah, obviously you look at your sideboard and, you know, you're playing against control, so you're going to want counter magic or discard or what have you. That's the easy decision is what to bring in. Most people have some grasp of what needs to come in in a matchup. It's what comes out that people have a hard time with. And I think that kind of builds on um, what you expect your role in the matchup to be. Okay. Um, there was a really great article written a very long time ago called Who's the Beatdown? Um, and it's one that I reference frequently when I'm looking at building a sideboard, when I'm looking at um, trying to decide what my deck needs to be doing. And I highly suggest you check it out. If you Google Who's the Beatdown, I believe right now it's hosted on Star City Games. Um, if you Google it, you'll find it. It's not very long. You should read it. Well... Uh, James did all the hard work of putting the link in the show notes. I did. So when I do the uh, the description of the podcast, I yep. will put a, the link that he to yep. diligently found yep. in the show notes. So you should see what in the description. Cool. Find it and just be able to click on it. Yeah. I don't know how it works in the in the uh, app store, but we will find in, in the podcast app. But we will you will find out. Yeah. It, it will be there. <laughs> it will be there. It'll be there for for you to get to. So when I tweet it out. It'll be on the SoundCloud description. It'll be mm -hmm. on the Podbean description, so you could just yep. get to it that way. It'll be there for yep. you. And if you can't, like I said, just Google who's the beatdown. It'll come up. So, so what do you mean by I guess role? I guess like you know what is what does it mean by who's the beatdown? So, in this article, one of the examples they use is a mono red deck playing against a mono white deck, and. They're talking about going into game two, the sideboarded changes that each deck makes, and how the role that they're going to play in that matchup determines what sideboard cards they need to choose. So the white deck um, can play a longer game. It has life gain, it has some different removal, it has some different sized creatures, and the red deck is showing my age here but it's a sly deck which is awful creatures that you don't ever want to see after turn three but the way the curve is built 
It makes perfect use of all of its mana for turns one, two, and three, and hopefully you're close enough to being dead where every turn after that doesn't matter. So in this specific example, you have the red deck, who is the beatdown. They are the aggressor in the matchup. They're the ones doing, they're initiating all of the combat. The white deck is never going to attack into the red deck until the game has already swung in its favor. The red deck is the one that's doing all of the beating down. So in this matchup, the red deck is the beatdown, and the white deck is the control deck. They're playing a little bit longer game. They're trying to manage the threats. And the, the mono-white deck could be like just a mono-white aggro deck. Yeah. But in this particular matchup, right. it has to be the control deck. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't have to be two different decks either. Even if, like, sometimes when you're playing the mirror match, this is actually when role assessment is the most important. Um, being able to determine, you know, how close your 75 is to your opponent. If your opponent is more tuned for, you know, going underneath control decks, and you're more tuned for fighting the mid-range battle, your opponent is probably the beatdown, and you're probably the control deck in this matchup, mm -hmm. even though you're both playing very similar 75s. And that's going to determine, you know, which sideboard choices you make. Because if you're if you're on the beatdown, you don't want to bring in all of your removal because that's not the role you're going to be playing in this matchup. You want to bring in threats. You want to bring in, you know, stuff that's bigger than your opponent's stuff. You want to bring in stuff that's quicker than your opponent's. You don't want to load up on a whole bunch of removal when you're going to be the aggressor in this game. Similar to like the mono, like a mono red mirror mm -hmm. play versus draw. If yep. you're on the draw, you often take the, I'm going to point all of my removal at your creatures. Right. Cause I got to draw one extra card. Yep. And when the dust settles, I'm going to have a two, two yep. and you're not. That is actually the point I was going to make next was it can be very play draw dependent. Um, especially when you're looking at a mirror match. Not just a mono-red mirror match, but any mirror match. Yeah. A lot of times, play draw is incredibly important. Yes, I need to figure this out. My, my mono-red mirror match percentage <laughs> is not good right now. Um, so, kind of skipped over. So, how do you decide what comes out? So, there's, they like said, there's, you can look at your sideboard and go, oh, I lost to Wilderness Reclamation. Mm -hmm. I need to bring in the cards that beat enchantments right right but then you have to decide all right again how do i want this deck to be in the play out do i want to be aggressive so do i need to take out you know other removal because they don't have a lot of uh, creatures to bring in this enchantment removal or uh do i need to leave in my removal when i'm going to play a slower game and just try to pick off their enchantment mm -hmm. in the course of doing other stuff well, in a lot like that's why I had mentioned this article, the Who's the Beatdown, mm -hmm. because a lot of times that's what determines what comes out for the sideboard. Because if you're playing against a reclamation deck, and their entire game plan hinges on making it to untapping with a wilderness reclamation, so they have fourteen mana on turn five, you're not going to win that game. I don't care who you are, you're not going to win that game. So you probably want to take a more aggro slant. You probably want to cut some of your removal 
and bring in some of this stuff to help deal with their enchantment. Yes. Um, another thing to think about when you think about what comes out, and this is also very oftentimes more important and like limited, but like specific cards that so when Chain Whirler was everywhere, no one played a creature with one toughness. Right. Because Chain Whirler just ate them. Yep. So if you're playing against someone who's playing mono red in mm -hmm. game one you saw two chain whirlers. You're probably gonna board your landware elves out. Yeah, you have you have to go like, yeah. wow, I can't get two for one by this card that I can easily avoid getting two for one by yeah. by cutting my my uh my one X my X one creatures. I have to just take those out. So mm -hmm. you'll you'll look at things like that and go like, okay, I'm going to make it so this is not a liability. Mm -hmm. Or um like Lyra. Mm -hmm. Lyra's great, but if you're playing it Sultai like you, it might be hard for you to tap five mana to play your Lyra, and then have them tap five mana and kill it with a Vivian Reed, and then they still have a Vivian Reed, and you just have shame yeah. and sadness. Yeah. So you have to. So sometimes to be like, "Wow, Lyra is great in this handful of matchups, but is a liability against Chupacabra plus Vivian Reed." Yep. Right. So I can't continue to play my Lyra. Even though objectively, it is my best card. Yep. But in this one particular matchup, it is the worst thing I can do with five mana. Yeah. And it's hard to, like, say, to pull that out. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm playing Gates. Not Gates with Nexus, because I'm not <laughs> a monster. Gates with Rams and Gate Colossuses, right? Just go over the top of people, mm -hmm. right? The, the best card in the deck is probably Gates of Blade. The second best card is probably Guild Summit. Mm -hmm. So two and a blue enchantment. When it comes into play, you can tap any number of gates and draw that many cards. And then each time you play a gate, draw a card. Yep. Right. It's great. It's the first thing I cut against Mono Red. Right. I cut I cut three of them and I cut two mass manipulations because I'm never going to cast them. Right. And like if I take my turn three or turn off. four off to cast three mana, do nothing. Yeah. Red kills you on turn four if it's not messed with. Right. So you just have to go. It's not what this game. This is about. not what this game's about. So, even though I am clearly the control, mm -hmm. and I need and card advantage would be good, yeah. the way I can get card advantage just leaves me dead. Yeah. So you have to go. You know what? can't play this card. This has to be the first thing that goes. And I bring in a little bit more removal, mm -hmm. some life gain, and try to shore it up that way where I'm con controlling, but my card advantage is going to be a giant gatebreaker ram that you have to spend two creatures and a removal spell on to get off the board. Yeah. Like, that's how I'm going to get my card advantage is 8-8. Eight, eight. You can't kill it. Yeah, that, that ram's name is the abyss. <laughs> he is yeah. he is a <laughs> six you. I guess I'm taking six. <laughs> okay. Cool. Oh, wait, you didn't tap. I just, I can never yeah. win now. Oh. But you have to get your card advantage in other ways right. other than just draw a card. But against control... That's the best card in the deck. It's the best card in the deck by a mile. Yeah. And, like, if it resolves and doesn't get mortified, it's just like, oh, 
every land I draw is draw a card, like, it's really hard for you to beat this. Yeah. Now, granted, I board in stuff that is better than my normal fare because sometimes drawing into a Gatebreaker Ram doesn't <laughs> matter when they're just like, Frasco's content? Sure. Oh, well, I guess... <laughs> I guess all the stuff I draw into is garbage. Okay, <laughs> this is a problem. But step one, I drew into it, right? So you have to, like, look at what your, even your best cards in your deck mm. might be bad in a particular matchup. So you can't be too married to them. Yeah. You have to be willing to go, like, this is not the matchup for this, right? Right, if you're playing limited and you're on the, oh gosh, the Goblin Gathering deck, yeah. And your opponent had plays two dagger casters game game one, you might be taking some goblin gatherings out of your deck. Yeah, it's not really where you want to be. Because you're just gonna get wrecked. Yep. And you might be like, well no, I'm the goblin gathering deck. Not for game two, you're not. You're the <laughs> you deck were the goblin gathering deck. You're the deck that's playing feral makas and yeah. other things that don't die to dagger casters. This three two is really bad, but it trades to the dagger caster. <laughs> so I guess I have to play it. So just be be willing to be flexible mm-hmm. and not locked in. Um, so you also have make sure your mana base can support your sideboard cards. Yeah. So what, what are what are these considerations here? Um, when you are playing multicolored decks, you kind of have to build your mana base with your sideboard cards in mind a lot of times. Um, the Azorius Aggro deck that we were talking about earlier has one or two main deck blue cards. I bet you they run, you know, more than four or five blue sources. I think they're on the full four hollowed fountain, four yeah. glacial fortress. Because their whole sideboard is full of blue cards. If you're changing the way your deck works for game two and bringing in, you know, six blue cards, you need to be able to make sure you can cast them. Um, so just because your main deck doesn't need all those blue sources, your sideboard does. Don't forget about that. That's important. Yeah, so I think that... So, again, the Gates deck was a best-of-one deck that I stole. Mm-hmm. Uh, no shame in net decking. Thanks, right. Twitter. Uh, <laughs> so, um, made the guy very happy when I tweeted, this is the deck I'm going to play. He, like, retweeted me in favor, and he was all about it. I, I made the guy the day. You can make someone happy by net decking. Um, but it has two white cards in the main board. Uh, Arcway uh, Angel. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, Archway Angel, not Archway. Archway Angel. And um, uh, it played, like, four white sources in the main, which is fine for your two white six drops, right? But I wanted to play Knight of Autumn, Ixalan's Binding, something else in the sideboard. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't just have... Four white sources. Four white sources. So, like, I think I'm up to six or seven. Mm -hmm just to make sure that I could accidentally draw one and be able to cast the Knight of Autumn on turn three if I had if I had to. Yeah. I just wasn't relying on circuitous route. Right. To find your white sources. Yeah. And even even in the main, like I had I felt like I was short a red source. Mm-hmm. I was like, well I need to change one of these Selesnia Guild Gates for a red source. It was a Boros Guild Gate, like it's not great, but it casts Gates of Blaze and it casts a Knight of Autumn if I have to. Yep. So be mind yeah, definitely like when you're building your main like how many white sources do I need? How many sources do I need to to feel like I can cast this card? Mm-hmm. Because even the the mono white decks that have eight white sources, they 
they'll have games where they don't get um their uh they don't get their blue source. Yeah. Like they might have a negate in their hand and like four island uh, four mountains. Nope, four planes. There we go. If we go through all the lands in what magic, I will I will hit I will hit the right one. And so it was a cool plan, but it couldn't do anything. Yeah. They just couldn't execute it. Yep. Um and then what are some other things that are kind of unintuitive that you do with cyborg sometimes? Um especially in aggro decks that are looking to go a little bit bigger post-board, um, a lot of them play an extra land in the sideboard. Um, I know that's really common with Mono Red. Um, like two standards ago uh, for Ramunap Red, mm-hmm. uh, where they ran Chandra's and Phoenix's and Ramunap Ruins or whatever. Um, that deck ran a land in the sideboard because it was going so much bigger post-board. It was moving its curve so much higher up that it had a hard time hitting its land drops to cast those spells. You can't play a bunch of four drops in your 20 land deck. Yeah, it doesn't work. You don't hit your fourth land that often. It's not a whole lot better with 21 lands, but it's better. Yeah, it is better. Um, The standard after that, where uh, black-red midrange was everywhere, that was Mm -hmm. the best deck in the format for months, that deck played a swamp in the sideboard. Because post-board, when you're bringing in, you know, four duresses and two black removal spells, um, you don't have enough black sources in your main deck to cast those spells. So the deck was a little bit heavier red main board, but heavier black sideboard. It had a swamp in the sideboard, so you could cast those black spells. Um, And a lot of times, you were going a little bit bigger when you were bringing that stuff in, so you weren't like taking them out and out for a swamp you were just putting the swamp in um also utility lands are kind of good for this um last standard um kind of common sideboard tech for the golgari deck was having one detection tower in the sideboard mm-hmm. um twofold it's great in the mirror because it lets you target your opponent's carnage tyrants with all your removal spells gives you a way to deal with them also, uh, when you're bringing in six mana Vraskas alongside your Vivians and your Carnage Tyrants, you want to make sure you find those lands to cast them. So it brings you up a land in the mirror where your land drops are important, and it's a utility land that has useful usefulness outside of just making mana. Yeah. It kind of, it, it, it shores up two problems. It shores right. up, I can never kill a Carnage Tyrant, yeah. and... I can never cast my Carnage Tyrant. Right. It shores up both problems. So it is counterintuitive. You, th- you feel like you need all your spells, yeah. in, and you, you need all spells that are super impactful in the sideboard, but just being able to cast the, the 14 impactful spells that you yeah. have is better than having a 15th spell that you don't get to cast. Right. Or having 14 spells that you can't cast. Yeah. So... Um... So, you know, when you're deciding what to come out, how is the game going to play out? What are what are cards that are just bad in the matchup mm-hmm. that just that would nor- that might normally be good but just aren't now. Right. And uh uh don't be afraid to have a lane in there. Yep. So, we'll do a we're at an hour, so we'll do a quick arena breakdown yeah. this has basically been my uh 
my my existence has been playing <laughs> best of one arena. You certainly have a lot more games luck than I do on arena. Uh, so I think I am like of of our, of our list. I think I'm like ninety of the ninety five <laughs> games that were played in gold uh, last week. So, um, now things started to move. Yeah. Uh, but it's safe to say that mono red is still the deck in in arena. So, out of our ninety five games, it was twenty one percent of the meta game. Yeah. Um. And then the next closest like deck in best of one was random off meta stuff. <laughs> so was, other was your second other other was the second archetype. Yeah. Uh in in gold. Uh and then there are some decks that you may think like, oh, that is a deck that shows up a lot or that's really popular. No. <laughs> no. Golgari. So, you know. It may have been Soul Tide that they didn't hit their blue land, but Golgari was 3% of the metagame. Is it Drake's, which was hot when it made, like, top eight of the first standard open? 7%. Uh, uh, Gates, uh, the Gates, 9%. Uh, What's the other 9% are here? Turns. Disgusting, awful deck. Turns, 9%. So basically, uh, what Arena does in Best of One is it polarizes the... Um, it polarizes the decks get play. Mm-hmm. Right? You're incentivized to play linear decks that do their thing really well. Yep. And that thing can be the mono-red thing of get under you and and kill you before you set up or it's the go big like control slash reclamation stuff Mm -hmm. right control if it makes it to turn five or six against the aggro decks it usually wins especially esper because it has just so many cards that randomly say gain two life on them or gain three life um, or then like the turns decks that just go like super far over the top of all the mid range decks. Yeah, and they just do everything from that point. Yeah, on. so like mid range doesn't really get to exist, unfortunately. In best of one, so a lot of people have started playing best of three. Um, his best of three now counts towards rank, so there's ranked best of three. I've I've been uh holding true to the to the to the best of one uh, data <laughs> collection. Uh but every so often I will swing into to best of three when I like I'm kind of sick of losing a best of one. Yeah. When you're done hating yourself for a little while. Yeah, well, I I hate losing more than I hate myself <laughs> less than that, more than I hate myself. So I became that which I hated and I just started jamming mono red. And uh, over, let me see if I can bring it up real quick. I think over the last two days in Platinum, my mono red win rate is somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 70%. That's awesome. Uh, 
yesterday I won I won this like a cool like uh like yes I am currently in best of, in best of one in platinum I'm currently sixteen and eight um so I mean it's no fifty and six but it's pretty no fifty and six no. I mean, my, my problem right now is I'm, like, terrible in the mirror. I'm three and four in the mirror. And some of that is, like, if you're top, if in your top 17 cards, six of them were lands, yeah. you just lose the mirror. It's like, yeah. oh, you drew three lands and 14 spells. Yeah. Oh, I drew, I drew seven <laughs> lands and 10 spells. I just can't win this now. Yeah. Like, oh, you had 12 more damage in your hand than I did. Oh. But yes, I have, like, smoothly settled into being a mono-red monster, and just, like, the best part of being the mono-red person is you beat turns, mm -hmm. and Esper Control's not great, but you can beat it. So you don't have to play those, like, long, awful games where you're like, sure, reveal a Nexus, sure. <laughs> Plus your Teferi, yeah, Just sure. tapping the space bar. Yeah, you're like, no, no, I, I get to kill you. You tapped out, you die. This is great. So... So again, well, if you, you were telling me earlier that you had one game where you beat him on the stack, right? Yeah. You just waited for him to tap out and you beat him yeah, with a spell on the stack? I had a game where uh, I thought he might have, it was turns, and I thought he had, uh, what is it? Um, oh gosh, Root Snare. Mm -hmm. So I attacked with two uh, Vishnal Pyromancers and left back to. Um, uh, firebrands mm -hmm. because I needed him to tap low enough that he couldn't absorb me. Yeah. And then I had wizards, uh, uh, wizards lightning and like a lightning strike, and I needed the two damage from the uh, from the uh, firebrands. And he cast a settle, and with the settle on the stack, I dealt eleven damage to him, <laughs> and the settle never resolved. Yeah. He just tapped his four mana for a settle, and I was like, three you, three you, three you, two you. And I've done that multiple times where, like, you just wait, and they're like, I guess I have to cast this Chemistry's Insight to hit my fifth. You're dead. Yep. And so I just assume everyone who plays Blue-White has it absorbed, and I just play <laughs> the game around not getting absorbed. Like, uh, I'm going to put this on the stack and hope, because I have to. Oh, oh, we had it. Um. So, yeah, sometimes you just have to, like, lean in and be like, well... I guess I'm just doing this now. I guess I'm going to be the the thirty percent of the metagame or whatever, twenty five percent that is mono red. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's a reason it's thirty percent of the metagame. So. Yeah, because uh, it it wins games yeah. and it wins games quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. So again, if you want to like, if you can find the magical build of a deck that like smushes red and somehow also smushes. Teferi and Rorden's Reclamation. Yeah, you got something. Don't tweet it out. Just play <laughs> it to number one because you're gonna you're gonna get there because that's everyone. Yeah. Be like, oh, like I win. I have a hundred percent against red and a hundred percent against control. I don't know how I did it, but there we go. Just keep doing that and you're fine. Yep. If my if I could get my red win rate win rate up, would be much better off. <laughs> but so that's where, unfortunately, like. The, the only thing I said that, that you know, unfortunately, like, the metagame, the red part of the metagame hasn't changed. Like, yeah. that's, I think, going to be there until these red cards rotate. Well, I mean, I think a deck like Mono Red 
is going to exist forever on Arena. There's always so. going to be some sort of low-to-the-ground, super aggro deck that punishes people trying to play a long game. Yeah. It's just kind of like what Arena is. But I feel like this particular version of Mono yeah. Red is maybe the best version since, like, the Stoke the Flames Mono Red that, like, won back-to-back PTs. You think it was better than Remunet Bruins Hazaret? Hmm, maybe not. Maybe that one was, but like, like they, this one. I mean, they had the ban Remunet Bruins. They did. They did. I don't know. Like, I just think this one is a different deck. Yeah. Like, I think Bowmat Courier held the other one together. Like, I if, love Bowmat Courier. If you had, if this deck had Bowmat Courier, yeah. It would. It would just not be fair. They would be banning cards out of it. I yeah. think because it's just, you'd be like, oh, I. 12 you, and now I get to draw four cards. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess I win now? Yeah. Oh, you tapped out for settle. Pay a red. Fill out my hand, and I'll kill you. Every turn four is yeah. how this is going to go down. So, yeah, I don't know. It is... It is exceedingly powerful, though. Yeah. Uh, and again, it is a deck that you have to, like... Against Mono White, like, I oftentimes end up playing, like, Control. Like, I've just, like... Spent three removal spells, killing three creatures. It's like yeah. cool. You don't get the city's blessing. Like, well, you can you can kind of do that against Mono White also though, because like if you're trying to fight over their vanguard, oh, like they're doing your work for you. He, like a shock that deals them four. I'll take it. Is and like I've had people just like, like okay, and just like pay eight. Yeah. Like chain whirl your guy. Okay, I'll pay four. Shock your guy. I'll pay four. Like you're at eight. I have four cards in my hand. Like, yeah. how are you ever gonna win? Yeah. And yeah, they they people are very liberal with their with their Adanta Vanguard triggers. Yeah. But hey, easier for me. That's right. So went a little long. It's all right. We got our arena metagame in there. Yep. So that's good. I didn't think we were gonna go long this week. I'd... Yeah, I was a little worried. <coughs> so our. Our show notes are usually like two pages, and this was like three quarters of a page. Yeah. Uh, so with that, uh, thanks for tuning in. Yep. Uh, again, as James implored you earlier, <laughs> please send us some topic ideas, yep. some ideas for the show. Let us know if you liked our like mini kind of like catch up on the week of, of metagame stuff. Yep. Uh, like to see more stuff like that. We might depending on how things go, have some other ideas for some other topics. Mm-hmm. But if you, again, if you have something that you want to see, let us know. So again, casual tripod yep. uh, on Twitter. Uh, no one's tweeted at us. Come on. Like, <laughs> like, like it's just the people in the, on the team. Like, it's not, it's not fair. I had, I'd go there and I check my alerts and there's like nothing. It's like Cameron retweeted someone. And I'm like, I appreciate you, man, but <laughs> someone needs to tweets. retweet me. <laughs> Uh, you can also find us at Casual Try Hard MTG on Facebook. <coughs> and then and you can email us at casualtryhardmtg at gmail.com. And with that, uh, we'll see you next week. Yep, we'll catch you at FNM. Bye.